Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Living Legends Foundation presents Music Day, a verified hit. Hello, everyone. Today, we will be discussing the topic of artificial intelligence, or AI, and its impact on the music industry. I'm Monique Kelly, and this is Music Day, a verified hit, where we discuss trends and issues in the Black music business. Unapologetic conversations that we hope will educate and inspire those listening. You can listen to Music Day on iHeartRadio, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. Now, if you don't know, today you're going to learn a lot about AI and how it's changing the music business. AI is rapidly transforming the way we do business, and we're here to explore who gets credit, consent, and compensation when it comes to AI-generated music. We invite you to stick around and be sure to press that like button if you like what you're listening to. Be sure to comment and be sure to subscribe right down there below. Joining us today are some of industry professionals who can shed some light on this topic. First, we have Lawrence Rosier, the founder of Digital Gumbo Works, a tech expert and visionary who created the National Black Computer Network 40 years ago. Always ahead of his time, in 1995, he developed a pioneering virtual world website for Warner Brothers Records Black Music for the artist formerly known as Prince. We also have Sierra Amari, founder of the Gen Z Exec, a digital platform that empowers young creatives to thrive. And finally, we have Herb Trowick, the creator, executive producer, and co-host of the hot internet show Pensado's Place, a music veteran with vast experience as an artist, manager, label executive, Broadway producer, author, talent scout, and advisor. Woo! Welcome to Music Day, everyone. I'm so excited about this conversation. Now, I just want to make sure I'm explaining this correctly for those who don't know what AI is. It's like having a brain inside a computer or your smartphone. Just like our brains help us think and make decisions, AI helps computers do the same thing, but it does it in seconds instead of hours. It's like having a personal assistant at your fingertips. For instance, AI can make music, it can listen to different songs and learn what makes them sound good. Then it can use that knowledge to create new songs that sound similar or completely different. However, AI can only learn from what it's been trained to do and can sometimes make mistakes. It's still a new technology, but it's growing fast and could change the world in many ways. Lawrence, did I explain that right? Well, you hit the, the bigger points, but the one thing that I always like to, to bring out to people is that AI and intelligence has been part of computing from before the beginning. Now that, so before we had electronic computers, when telegraphs came on the scene, there were people writing about connecting the world 
through electricity and creating a global brain. Uh, and so there was a book called Darwin Among the Machines, uh, the, uh, the evolution of global intelligence. So this is much older, but people like to tell the current story because that's their marketing hype. And so if you fast forward, we, we know that people acknowledge that there were at least two AI winters where AI became a big thing in the 60s. Uh, so when we got electronic computers, that's the first thing people tried to do is, well, could we make this be like a human? And then when that had its downside back in the 80s, uh, I had a company that was doing AI. And everybody thought at that time AI was going to be the big thing. But when the funding dried up because people couldn't meet the expectations, there was what we call the AI winter. So now it's come back and a lot of the companies talk about it as though that it's all new, but it isn't. And the reason why that context is really important is because we're only hearing about half of it. We're hearing about the language models, the ability for the computer to converse, which is very important and, and very powerful. But the computer has to learn how to have reasoning and knowledge and context to be like a human. And there are a lot of issues with that. That And that's what really gets to the core of the topics that we're going to talk about in terms of music and how we as humans interact with machines who are attempting to uh, uh, enter into a realm that we occupy. And, and so we need to have conversation about that uh, because the current companies are rushing. That's why there's a AI pause letter that was put out by Elon Musk and uh, Steve Wozniak from Apple saying, hold up, hold up. Let's have a six month pause on advanced AI development. In essence, I'm just saying it straight before we have Skynet sitting in our lap. And and everybody's freaking out. Let's just like slow, slow our roll a little bit and talk about what we need to do. But part of that is because they're only telling half the story. Some of the younger people don't know the other half because they weren't born in the 80s. <laughs> they weren't even around. So the head of uh, OpenAI, he can't tell a story that happened before he he was born. But some people know, and, and there are people out there, some old folks like myself, who were uh, saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, we need to do something a little differently here. So uh, that's the word, is to kind of go do your homework and realize that this thing has been going on and it's not all new. Uh, so that's, to me, the most important thing right now uh, because this chat GPT is just off the it's off the chain. Uh, chat GPT four is is scary good is what people are saying that the things that it's doing uh, are not going to be manageable. And even if we take a pause, the genie the genie's not not only not going back in the bottle, but the genie's left the building. The genie is already gone. You can download lots of this technology now. So you know we need, really new, do need to take a deep look at it. Uh, we saw what happened with social networking, 
and the the monsters that were created on top of that. And we've now kind of said, well, wait a minute, we have to take a different approach with social media. But with AI, we won't get a chance. If we let it get going the way social networking got going, we won't be we might not be able to intervene. Right. And I, I want to ask Sierra, what are your thoughts? What do you see as it pertains to chat GPT and the AI movement? Absolutely. One, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm like trying not to nerd out all the way. Um, but when it comes to I love that. Um, I mean, from ChatGPT standpoint, I actually just did um, an event with Microsoft where I actually had a conversation with the principal software engineer who also happens to be a black woman, which is absolutely incredible about ChatGPT and those that, you know, have a bit of concerns, which is completely understandable. For me, I, I totally understand and I, and I would hope people to know, especially creatives and creative professionals, that there's different types of AI. Um, just the most popular right now is the generative AI. So when you put or, or you prompt engineer where you're putting a specific prompt in order for it to output something out, that's the most popular at the moment. I'm more on the, I look at things from the lens of duality. Um, so I'm a little bit more on the optimistic side, although I do acknowledge, you know, there are genuine concerns and there should be regulation to a certain degree so it doesn't get too out of hand because it is a very extremely powerful tool. But for me, I, I think creatives, especially those that are independent or super young, they don't have capital to fund certain projects or to pay out a team or are having creative block, can really utilize this technology to their advantage, um, especially when it comes to, for example, an artist or, or songwriter who may not have the connections in the music industry in order to get a photographer to take their pictures or may not necessarily have the budget but can utilize a generative AI tool like Adobe's new AI tool, Adobe Firefly or ChatGBT or Dolly, for example, or Stable Diffusion or Midjourney, you know, all of these tools in, in creative professions in order to complement their creative process rather than like competing with it. That's great. That's really interesting perspective as well. And of course, last but not least, Herb, what are your thoughts on the AI movement and GPT? Um, many. I'll try to be concise with what, with what they are. I'm always struck that whether you like it or not, but particularly people in the creative space, we're in a constant technological evolution. It changes all the time. So you're going to have two forces at play. Speaking to Sierra's duality, there's going to be those that can use the tools for good and then those ne'er-do-wells who use the tools for bad. And so you have to decide where you're going to be and how you're going to do it. So the downside yeah, we're not designed, our brains are not designed to, to encapsulate an algorithm. We can't outdo an algorithm, but that doesn't mean that we can't use algorithms and things like artificial learning, machine learning, artificial intelligence to our benefit. In the music business, artificial intelligence has been used probably for the last 20 years. When I was a record executive or whatever, if you use a plug-in, you're using artificial intelligence. If you do, and, and every, we can get part of what Lawrence was talking about earlier in terms of not the whole story is because as these got better, the AI could then be inserted into what we do. And all of a sudden we were using it and not knowing we were being using it. And sometimes we were being used and didn't know it. That's what TikTok. So, all, so as we sit in this environment and in my particular show, we're 12 years now of interviewing people in over 200 countries. It's, we reached about 200 countries. I've seen an evolution of technologists. So when we spoke at Google eight years ago, they considered music people tech workers 
because of their left brain, right brain ability. And so when I speak to people, I say, don't limit yourself. So this creativity that we have, this left brain, right brain thing that we do to create, we're going to have tools where we have to administrate those tools. We have to try to control. And I would say to Lawrence's point, sometimes these things are already out of control. We're, we're managing the tail end of the dog. This, this thing is rolling. That's why chat, That's why we're having this discussion. You know, some of it is what we do to ourselves and say, oh my God, it's going to replace us. Not necessarily. We have been going to be replaced a whole bunch. And let me just say this as a black man, us being replaced have, goes with our DNA. <laughs> we still hear we're still here. We're still doing what we need to do. So I'm saying this. If you're lucky enough to be a tech worker, if you're lucky enough to be somebody who has the privilege of being a steward of pop culture, you're going to deal with technology. You got people like Sierra and Lawrence who actually speak to principals. I get to speak to principals. And then our job is to pay it forward, make sure we educate people as much as we can, and we get in the fight and move it forward. Okay, now let's let's dive in a little bit deeper into that because with Warner Brothers Music, they let about 270 people go. Um, jobs predicted to be lost by 2030 by AI text generators coming for white collar jobs and arts and knowledge based jobs. 40 to 50 percent of jobs are forecasted to be lost. Will the increase in job loss accelerate universal income? I'll give that question to Sierra first. I was about to say, can I please answer this question? I love it. I, I mean, I literally just had this conversation um, with some of the ladies at Microsoft the other day about the same thing, right? You know, a lot of them are college students. A lot of them are trying to get new jobs right into the workforce, even myself. Right? I just graduated college in December 2021. So this is very, very early, especially from an economic standpoint. Um, but I would say this, I, I think it would be naive to not acknowledge that, yes, there will be certain jobs that will be lost, right? Like that's kind of where everyone is. I think everyone's on the same page with that. But again, on the flip side, considering duality, I would hope that anyone that's listening or comes across this podcast to understand that you have to kind of let certain things go in order to make way for the new. Um, I had a conversation about, are you still the same person that you were before COVID, right? In the pandemic? No, no one is. And so with that mindset, we have to consider that no industry is going to be the same. No business is going to be the same. Society isn't going to be the same. This was a global pandemic that changed everything that really kind of made everything technology wise kind of go light speed like that. I would also say I'm also again nerding out. Considering history and historical context, we're kind of in a similar stance of where we are in the Industrial Revolution, right? You had people at that time who maybe were riding horses, they didn't have cars, maybe they had lantern holders in the middle of the night that had these candles, you know, and they didn't have light bulbs or street lamps. And so although those jobs were lost, or even in, in the context of entertainment, you know, in the early days of silent movies, they had local musicians play the audio. And then, you know, when they transition into recorded music, unfortunately, those people, you know, they did lose their jobs, but there were so many more other opportunities in an evolutionary standpoint that were created. And so for me, it's like, yes, you know, people unfortunately will lose their jobs, but if they are paying attention and not just for like seeing stuff on Twitter, or on TikTok or Instagram, but really going out of their way to really understand where we're going, they can honestly create this opportunity for themselves and create new jobs because they haven't been created yet. So yes, it's very scary of the unknown. I totally acknowledge that. But I think again, the unknown doesn't have to be scary depending upon your mindset. And Lawrence, I want to get you to kind of expand on this too. How do we take advantage of this and how should people be preparing themselves for the new AI economy? 
Well, you know, I think those are some very good points that Sierra pointed out. And I, I mean, I've been doing tech all my life. So like at some levels, I haven't changed. Uh, you know, I haven't aged. Uh, I was on the cutting edge uh, with satellite technology uh, 45 years ago. So I've seen these transformations. What I haven't seen is the pace that we're on. And, and that's making it different. And so it's in this round, it isn't only about the transformation of the nature of work, but it's also about the nature of human existence. Uh, so things like universal basic income, yeah, that's going to become part of this at some point in the next 10 years, we're going to start to be at a place where things that we had to do before, machines are going to be doing. And so what are people going to do? Well, they're going to have this great opportunity. And so perhaps one of the biggest opportunities for people in the village, as I say, in, in our group, is to understand that we're not in a situation trying to only catch up. A lot of what's being done really has its roots in our traditions and culture, uh, from the science fiction to just the idea of where did logic come from? Where did the concepts, the ideas about how relationships between things happen that led to computing? Those things were all in existence in Africa before the pyramids were built. So, so we have to come to understand why our roots are so deep and rich and that our opportunity is to do it from our own perspective, not about trying to be like or copy the things that we see in front of us, which, you know, often seem too technical and, and too uh, linear and, and restrictive and understand that all these new things that are happening are actually reaching back and touching where it came from. And, and that's really the most important aspect for me of making sure we understand just how old this is and how it got to the 40s, 1940s, and, and to electronics, because it's convenient to leave that part out for the people who, who made the money and made the progress in electronics. But these ideas are, are pretty ancient, and they, they keep coming back. And so we can participate on our own terms, and we can be empowered, not just consumers, and so it goes to the kind of yin-yang, the kind of duality that Sierra's been talking about, that we don't have to just be on one side of it. See, in, in our traditions and culture, there wasn't separation between arts and entertainment and, and regular life. It was, it was nuance, but there wasn't a separate industry and stage. And we really want to bring that back. That's what we're always trying to do, bring, bring the expression of the music and the, and the art and the power of that back into the mainstream of our lives, because that's where it started. And so we have to realize that we can set terms in ways that no one's 
talking about with AI. There's another topic I think that's going to come up. I'll touch on some of the particular things that AI is related to that, you know, if you watch the Matrix movies, all of the symbology, all of the the nuance underneath the Oracle comes from Africa. But we, we never really hear that story in, in, in its fullness, and particularly with regard to the technology. But there are places where everyone knows those stories. You know, we hear about the metaverse, the same thing, that there were AIs, and there were always these African characters and African people who kind of knew, like, you know, in Mission Impossible. You, you know, some people say, well, it's just a Hollywood trope. You have the magical Negro. But if you watch closely, you see that people know that math, you know, those pyramids, that 48-story building that that was there for thousands of years before people could understand. So we have that in us. And I definitely want us to circle circle back to that because that's a really powerful point. I want us to definitely circle back to that. But I wanted to ask uh, Herb, just thinking about what Sierra and Lawrence were saying about the various jobs and opportunities in terms of the actual music. Um, will whoever best provides the prompts for AI music become the best music producer, art director of music, or on the radio? How will that work with AI, in your opinion, Herb? No, I don't necessarily think they'll become the best. Um, you know, computers don't cry. That ability to touch somebody or be able to use a unique emotion to connect and so on and so forth, there'll be copies of that. There'll be things that can do that. We're talking about AI and can they deal with context and understanding kinds of things. But I also think that there's always room for the humanity of what we do to come through in where we, depends on how you exhibit it. Because I agree that history and underpinning and knowing where we're coming from is always important. And we also need to be fostering moving forward. How do you teach people about this? How do you take the fear out of this? How do you get people to activate and be engaged in this? How do you get it to embrace it? Because those are going to be the innovators or the people that find the thing that we didn't know was going to happen or create the new jobs where the other jobs were missing. So you can't stand back and just review. You're going to have to engage. And for a lot of people, it's scary to engage. So people like us have to kind of foster people through. I can point you to 1500 Academy and other people teach coding and other kinds of things to get involved in. I'm an advisor to 20 schools. And, and we're saying to people, and these are black and brown kids, not just black and brown kids, but that included, no embrace. Here's the change. Here's the cheat code. Here's how you get to the bottom line. Here's how you learn. Here's how it can affect your music. Here's how you can have it not affect your music. Here's where you can combine it. So we have to be activists at the end of the day. And we have to be tech activists. And in doing that, I think that the results of the music will be how we respond to the music. If I hear something, what I want to do is not worry about whether it's AI or not. I don't want to groove to it or, or do whatever I do to it. And I imagine it's going to be both because AI and music is not new. The idea that machines may think for you or replace you or other kinds of stuff, that's the scary stuff. And that's the things that people are responding to now. So I still, I'm, I'm, I'm more optimistic than pessimistic, but I realize that I can't be a negative Nelly and just look over my shoulder and, and be ignorant about it. Kids will innovate, it'll be comfortable with them, and then we'll find breakthroughs that, that allow us to manage the process. 
Wonderful. Thank you for that, Herb. Um, and I see we have someone else joining the chat, Mr. Pierre Bradshaw. How are you, Pierre? Welcome. How's everybody doing? It's nice to see you all, y'all. We're glad to have you here. And I just want to give the audience a little bit about your background, Pierre. Pierre Bradshaw is a trailblazing entrepreneur in the music and technology industries with over 30 years of experience, who is widely recognized as the first digital nomad. He founded Amplify, an AI-powered marketing and monetization app for podcasters, musicians, and influencers with the aim of revolutionizing content promotion and monetization. So welcome, Pierre. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, we've been having a great, lively conversation on AI. So you've had an impressive career, which began at the age of 13 in radio and included being the youngest major market music producer in history at WBLS in New York. That was one of my favorite radio stations. Working in A&R in radio promotion at various major labels and owning music publishing, producer management, and national arena tour production companies. Warner Music Group announced plans, we were just talking about this, to fire 270 employees to make room and adjustments for new tech and artist services. The WMG head came from YouTube and is seeking ways to further monetize music, including the use of AI music, he says is quote unquote undervalued. What tech or AI services do you see labels using, Pierre? Oh my God. Um, labels, <laughs> labels, are, you know, we've already seen a, um, a little taste of what they're going to do with uh, the, the uh, AI generated uh, rapper that they had out. I forget his name, uh, but we all saw it. It was really good. It was really, 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 really good. Like it's, uh, you know, as far as, uh, uh, you know, trendy rap goes, it doesn't get too much better, to be honest. Um, the stuff that they're going to use to do this aren't necessarily off the shelf, you know, creations. Um, most of the major AI uh, companies offer things called APIs, which allow you to take their power and use it for your own. You know, like we've seen the uh, Koreans do. The Koreans have had, uh, you know, top uh, top 10 hits uh, created from AI um, already. And th that wave is not stopping. K-pop is about to get turned upside down, which actually is the canary in the coal mine. Watching what happens with them is going to determine what happens with us, right? And they're, they're basically about a year and a half, maybe two ahead of us in development. So, you know, um, the apps that they're going to use aren't the apps that, that uh, you know, we can access right now. There's lots of AI music creation apps for consumer use, but none of them are really truly ready for, you know, uh, chart making, you know, uh, music making yet. Some of the voices that you've heard, uh, I think uh, everybody saw the, uh, the voice going around of uh, Eminem, David Guetta uh, had Eminem uh, uh, saying some lines during one of his concerts. Sounded like Eminem, but the delivery wasn't perfect yet, right? So, you know, uh, to get that kind of perfection, you have to use the industrial strength creation studios, you know, the, the, uh, the full-fledged studios that do it, you know, with big staffs of people to, to get it together, together right. But again, just watch the Koreans. <laughs> that will tell it all. And then one more, one more question to you kind of on this topic, Pierre. What positions are labels losing or foregoing, and what do you see them enhancing that could increase artist revenue? Oh, what, what positions are they losing? Yes. Oh, I hate this question. Uh, you know, I figured I'd give you the hard ones, you know, ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, between, between records and... Wait, did, did anybody get these, uh, these doom and gloom questions before me? Because this is, this is, this, the answer to this is something that none of us wants to hear, right? 
especially in radio, more so in radio than records, but uh, both are going to have some problems. The funny thing is, all of us have been here long enough to see how A&R switched from people actually going out to uh, clubs and, and networking and really looking for talent to reading charts, you know, local charts, and then basing decisions off of what's going on based on the charts in certain markets, right? Well, this is, you know, this is that on steroids. Right now, we're going to see, you know, the algorithms, you know, the algorithms that are on, actually is relatively the same algorithms that are in use in Spotify right now, that's surfacing, you know, personal hits, and then figuring out what personal hits turn into wider hits in a, on a level that we never could have before. You know, Arbitron, BBS, none of that can do it at the granular level that the algorithm on Spotify can do it right now. And YouTube also has one, but it's not as good as Spotify's. Um, as a matter of fact, YouTube just turned theirs on uh, recently um, for their music service that nobody really uses. That right there is going to give them an insight to what's good. Now, extrapolate that. If they know what's good, then they can, as AI music goes, then it's easy for them to come back and give you something that sounds like what you want to hear, which actually is already happened to a degree in the smooth jazz type worlds, the classical music worlds, the uh, non, you know, uh, truly vocal uh, worlds. Now, if that happens, what are the A&R people going to do? What are the, you know, I don't know, pick a department, right? Marketing. Right now, marketing can be run by AI. <laughs> Almost completely. You know, radio promotion. Oh, I love my radio promotion people. You know, these are my personal friends. But Spotify is already doing it algorithmically. If radio turns into that, right, which on a music selection level, it will. Um, first, departments. Departments are just killed. Now, the, the one cool thing I will say is that on the younger end, the music managers are still safe. As we've seen lately, the music managers have hired, you know, uh, radio promo people to work closer with artists at the ground level and, and whatnot. That's going to continue. I actually just had a conversation with my guy Tony over there at Scooter Bronze Company about this uh, recently. You know, the work that they're doing directly with the artists is the same thing that major, you know, departments were doing. That's going to continue to a degree, but the major departments have labels. The labels are just going to go strictly to what they are on the publishing side, and that's cutting checks. Good point. Good point. And Sierra, in your view, what role could AI play in improving the distribution and marketing of music? What a lovely question. Oh my goodness. I love these. Also considering the fact that I work at Love Renaissance Records in our marketing and creative department, I think this question is very on brand. I mean, honestly, I, I would even use it for an example, right? Again, I'm, I'm again a little more on the optimistic side. I understand the duality of AI and its impact and what it can do. But I think, again, there's a lot of creatives that can really utilize it to their benefit, especially this early. Um, so, for example, I think how it's going to affect the distribution of music. Mm, I think we still have a little more time. And also keep in mind that AI time frame is much different than like regular time frame. Um, so a week in the AI space is like seven to eight months, right? Like things happen so quickly and things happen so fast that you kind of have to have a certain level of a mental capacity to kind of keep up with certain things. But for example, there's a platform that 
and please, like whoever is listening, if they, they know the platform, I'm mispronouncing it, I'm so sorry. I, I believe it's Tomi or, or T-O-M-E or Tome. Um, and, and it's utilizing it in story generating. Um, so I even utilized it as an example in one of my TikToks that I utilize as a platform to educate creatives on AI. I asked one of my coworkers, hey, like give me something super random that you would want a pitch deck on just to see what it would do, right? This was the first time I saw it. Um, and he was like, how would I be able to market sports um, sport uh, athletes and, and, and branding and marketing and what that would be. Um, and, I, and I put it in this, this generating system and, and it spewed out the, the whole marketing plan in, in less than 45 seconds, right? And so as a marketer um, and as a storyteller, as a world builder, as a narrative director, um, it's important to make sure that, you know, obviously certain elements in the stories that we're telling, especially when it comes to art, especially when it comes to music and human music and music that's being created and telling these stories of humans are obviously accurate but i think again it, it should be utilized as a tool right it's the same thing as social media um either you use it or it uses you and so i think when it comes to telling stories and, and utilizing that and music distribution i think it can help enhance the creative process especially when creatives have creative block you know what i mean like i think everyone at some has creative blog, they have some type of, you know, like, damn, like, you know, I, I, I'm working on this, on this rollout. And the the storyline that I had initially just isn't connecting, but I want to convey this, but I maybe I just don't have the right words to, to really like convey it. I can easily input that and be like, hey, like, is there a new creative way that we can reword this and kind of, you know, utilize that narrative? And the AI is really more so like a creative co-pilot. Um, so that's really, I think, how it would help in the marketing side when it comes to music distribution as a creative co-pilot or assistant um, with the creative process. Okay. And, and Herb, I wanted to ask you about the Google LM and Synthesizer Studio, which uses AI music trained with real voices. What are your thoughts on that? I think ultimately... AI is going to be used and is being used. As I said earlier, AI in the music space and, and certainly machine learning has been being utilized for 10, 12 years in all kinds of things, plugins, instruments, other kinds of stuff. Some people didn't know what they were doing or necessarily knew what to do with it or what to call it, but they learned what they were taught. So I see this iteration going across all, all across everything. It's, it's not going to limit itself to one specific place and then not go to another place. I'm more on the side of, okay, here's the people who use it for good, and what do the ne'er-do-wells do with it for bad? And whether it's cutting corners or what happens with money, or there's all kinds of things that go beyond the creation of music when you're talking about algorithms or artificial intelligence dealing with, you know, con you know can you give context to something? Can it think for you? Can it do those other kinds of things? Well, if you have bad intentions, and I'm not trying to be scary, I'm just saying, if I accept the fact that I can't limit where it's going to go, then I can prepare myself for it maybe being everywhere and then know what to do with it. And I think, again, people like us, what I call tech activists, have to teach this and show it to other people and make them aware and be a font of information. So, Whatever that studio is going to do, there's going to be another studio tomorrow and there's another. And then there's all the things that we don't know about that is that are going on everywhere, all over the world constantly. You just you can't control evolution. We are in it and it is evolving as we sit here. By the time we started this podcast and Pierre got on, some changed all over the world really fast. Right. That's, that's that short week that that Sierra was talking about. It's constantly moving. I know from our perspective. If I have a guest on, 
and we talk about this particular plugin, by the next week, I'll have a competing company that's got a different plugin that does better because they use artificial intelligence to make it better. It's, it's literally that fast. And Lawrence, thank you for that too. And um, Lawrence, what happens when AI produces all the art? What happens when you as consumers can't distinguish between human art and AI? Yeah, that's that's a really, really uh, a critical question. And and I think tying into some of what uh, both uh, what everyone has been saying, because we we have people who have pieces of uh, knowledge that are critical in this process. The thing that I try to underline is that almost always part of the answer to and the solution to anything that you see in front of you is to figure out whether you know someone who is making the tool. So it's one thing to try to decide, well, they have this new AI, but you want to be they. <laughs> so you want to have someone that you can go to and say, can, well, can we make that for ourselves? Because that gives you a different set of options and perspectives. And if you concede that you're always going to only have to react to what's being presented to you, it's like in every creative expression of, of movement, like uh, dancing and, and sports, you got to stay on your toes. You don't want to be always back and, and reacting to something that's being handed to you. So when it comes to being able to distinguish, for example, like I, I've been doing these conversations with the different uh, uh, language models and asking them questions about music and about creativity. I'm going to publish some of these because it's really interesting to see the different approaches that, say, Google Bard and, and ChatGPT are taking uh, with regard to creativity. I mean, at one level, we, we're seeing it in so many ways, like in politics, you see George Santos and and you start to think, well, wait a minute, you know, uh, an AI, you don't even need an AI to convince a certain group of people to, you know, kind of follow along. So what happens when the AI learns that and starts doing it? And and so you end up back at this place saying, well, maybe the the answer has to do with not reacting but being involved, bringing our creativity, having artists collaborate with the tech developers, which is always happening at some level, but we haven't been involved as much as we could have been. And that part of that is that we, we still don't have uh, a big enough resource of people graduating with STEM degrees and, and that's a problem, but we have enough that if we are intentional and we seek out those people and have those collaborations, then we can start to define the landscape, maybe just a little patch of it here and a little patch over there. And so in my the time that I've been in this, my perspective has, has led me to say, we're better off trying to be able, what's that phrase? God bless the child that's got its own. So let's, rather than have Stevie Wonder 
show Ray Kurzweil what he needs. And then Ray Kurzweil goes, oh, yeah, that's great. You know, and I can innovate off of what Stevie is asking me to make for him or name any electronics oriented musician from Stevie one from Sunrise time all the way up to the present. What we need to do is trying to figure out, well, how do we get involved in that process of making the software tools, making the chips uh, so that we can then shift that conversation a little bit. Now, some of it we just have to deal with because, you know, every day, you know, as soon as we get off of this this uh, 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 gathering, we're going to go face the world as it exists today. <laughs> and so there are things that we have to figure out. Well, how do we hustle and survive and, and make our way? But we want to be reaching out to a world that's different from this world. Because if we only try to solve the problem that we're reacting to, like, how do I keep this job when we know that an entire industry is being transformed, then we're, we're not, we're going to just be like that hamster on the wheel, like constantly fighting to solve the, that and put out that fire in front of us. And Herb, I want to I want to touch back on something that you were talking about earlier because nobody is talking about the end users. It all seems to be coming from the aspects of corporations. You touched on something really interesting in terms of computers don't cry, but people do, and it's that human emotion that we were talking about. How do you anticipate human artists with the emotion working with AI so that for the consumer it doesn't just feel like artificial intelligence? You still have that emotion. I want to first start with uh, Herb with that answer to that question, and then Pierre. I think the beauty of art is that it's so individualistic. How how I interpret something versus Pierre versus Sierra versus Lawrence versus me, this is all going to be different. And somewhere in that interaction is going to be the ability to touch or not touch, completely miss, throw a home run, maybe be able to get it past me. I'm under no illusion that I listen to some AI-generated music today that I love. Is it completely AI? Not necessarily. Is it somebody that's trying to get to context and all those kind of sympathetic, emotional things? Not necessarily, but I don't know. However, I know when I'm touched. And at some point in time, I got to know when I feel what I feel and then I can determine if I'm feeling it. I hope I don't have to get to the point where I have to determine, you know, I feel emotional. Now, do I feel emotional because of an algorithm or because, you know, because Kendrick was killing it? I, I don't want to get to that kind of specificity. And I think a lot of times the answer has to be at least partially in how we teach people moving forward, what people are consuming in the schools, what kind of place can you go get some education about this so you can get your hands around it early. Oftentimes when things happen to us, all we can do is be reactive. We often need to happen to something and, and be able to bring it and be able to put context to it and say, oh, I'm going to control this this way. I now understand this. I don't have to be afraid of it. And to the degree that I'm involved in some educational stuff across, I'm actually encouraged that, that creators, artists realize because they're getting the tools that have that kind of thinking in it, whether it's whether it's machine learning or artificial intelligence, they're not afraid of it. And they're trying to figure out how to use it in their music and how to tamp it down or let it use. So there is, again, an optimistic way to approach it, but it's an all-consuming thing. I don't think you can take an angle and just work the angle. 
this is going to be, this is a big part of our lives writ large. And we have to approach it that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sierra had to go, but uh, we appreciate her joining us when she did. And I know we have, we could talk, we need like a good three more hours for this conversation because there's so much for us to dive into. Um, Pierre, did you want to add on to that too? Oh, yeah. I, I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I'm dealing with this on, on lots of different angles. I'm dealing from the financial side because I have lots of fintechs and entertainment uh, on Amplify.fm. So I'm trying to uh, do what I can to make it easier for us to promote and monetize. But, you know, past all the digital stuff, you know, the, the one thing that I think we need to talk about more than just AI for us to fight AI is the thing that we have that we are uniquely capable of doing, and that's connecting with the actual listeners, right? Connecting with people, right? You look at the success of uh, Drink Champs, you look at the success of Breakfast Club, Charlemagne, million dollars worth of game, you know, all these podcasts, right? Huge numbers, bigger numbers than any one DJ in the US, right? They're getting that because they're able to connect with people in a way that most people can't. The only way that we fight this is we go back to our roots on a local level at stations and start to serve our communities, right? to get out, to actually do something for people, right? We lost that. And that's why we're about to get our butts handed to us because we lost the thing that we used to do better than anybody else. Now, as I said, with those people that I just just mentioned, they're doing it well and you can see the results. You're talking 10, $20 million deals. Yeah, I don't know any jocks getting 10, $20 million deals, you know, that didn't do more than drive, you know, not from the living room or their own studio. Uh, you know, I worked with Frankie Crockett back in the day with his own studio. It was the first one I'm like, uh, Okay, how far can this go? They're showing us how far that can go from their own home studio. If stations go back to that, we can buy another five years. If stations don't go back to that. You know, we saw Clear Channel start with the voice tracking, and we didn't we didn't know how far that would go. We saw how many night shifts and uh, overnight shifts and midday shifts are gone now. They can just double that and do it again. They've already proven that they do it. This is exactly what's going to happen. You know, it's up to us. You know. I just chime in real quickly. Pierre, I'm upset with you that you look the way you look and, and you worked with Frankie Crocker. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a, are you AI, Pierre? Are you an AI image? <laughs> right. You might not even be Pierre. Hey, man. I... You're supposed to look like me. So kudos to you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, I know uh, we we have to conclude this lively conversation. And I know there's so much more uh, for us to, to discuss. So maybe we'll have a part two. Um, and for all of you guys watching, we hope you enjoyed and learned something today about artificial intelligence, AI. And if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to the audio podcast, please subscribe, follow, rate, and comment. And we'll be sure to answer your questions and suggestions. We'd like to thank our guests, Lawrence Rosier, Sierra Amari, Pierre Bradshaw, and Herb Trawick for enlightening music day about AI and the music industry. Can you each share your social media contact or website info? Let's start with you, Lawrence. Uh, I'm at uh, digitalgumbo.works. I love that name. Pierre, how about where can we find you? Um, I encourage everybody who uh, who creates uh, to sign up for the beta for uh, Amplify.fm. It should be launching soon. I'm working on some of these AI tools that uh, develop every day into it to make it easier for everybody to 
to uh, expand their audience and also make uh, some more money than usual. Um, but aside from that, you can catch me at uh, Mr. Bradshaw 305 on Instagram. You know, most of the people listening are probably already there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely reach out. And last but not least, Herb, where can we find you? Um, go to pensadosplace.tv and we're right there. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining and thank you for our listeners for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Music Day, a verified hit. Associate producers Jackie Reinhardt, Barnell Johnson, Vivian Scott Chu, Mark Hill, Tony Winger, Sheila Eldridge, Pat Shields, Ken Johnson, and Shannon Henderson. This has been a Living Legends Foundation, Inc. production. Find out more about the Living Legends Foundation, Inc. or donate at livinglegendsfoundation.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.